Morning. I hope you had a blessed Christmas time celebrating God's indescribable gift in Jesus Christ with your friends and family this week. We had a great time gathering together Tuesday night for our Christmas Eve service, and, and I had a nice quiet time at home for the most part anyway, <laughs> and uh, just a, a wonderful time celebrating uh, the greatest gift that could ever be given to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, so we're so glad you've joined us here this morning. As you can see, we're continuing on celebrating this indescribable gift in Jesus Christ, and this morning we're going to be talking now about God's gift uh, for 2020 vision. God's gift for 2020 vision. In case you didn't know, we're only three days away from closing the book on the 2010s and entering into a new decade and a new year. And so I'd like to talk about that a little bit this morning, but we've, we've sung some beautiful songs today. Get to praise Jesus Christ. Again, He is the main attraction here. And, and I believe that He wants to speak something to us through His Word. And so uh, let's prepare our hearts through prayer to receive the Word of God this morning. Let's bow. Father in heaven, we thank you that we've sung great songs, we've prayed, we've taken the Lord's Supper in remembrance and in obedience to Jesus Christ to, to proclaim His death and resurrection until He comes back. And Father, what a beautiful time it is when your people gather together. And so, Father, one of the things we want to do when we gather is to hear from your word. This isn't my word. It's not the word of the elders. It's the word of Jesus Christ given to us through the scriptures by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, through and through, we believe the Bible is your word. Father, I pray that our hearts today would not be like soils that are hard and crusty that the seed cannot penetrate through and Maybe I, we don't want our hearts to be like the, the kind of soil that Satan, the birds of the air, come by and pick up and take away, Father. We, we want to have hearts that are like soil prepared to receive the Word of God, that it would be implanted into us, that it would produce a great fruit in our lives, Father, uh, that we would be obedient and ready and eager to obey Your Word. So would you do that for us today? Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of Your law. And we ask all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We've been talking about this indescribable gift at Christmas time the entire month. Uh, we've had a great time. We've, we've talked about Jesus Christ as the revealer of God. You could see God in many ways. You could see Him as you, you walk out of this building here today and in creation. Uh, we see an image of God in each and every single one of us. We're all created in His image. We see and know things about God from His Word. But the miracle and beauty of Christmas is that we had God dwelling among us in the flesh in Jesus Christ, the God-man. And so He's the revealer of God. We also saw in this indescribable gift that Jesus Christ reconciles sinners like you and me to God through His work on the cross. And so we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and one of the great lines there is, God and sinners reconciled. We sing, uh, Hail the incarnate deities. He's God in the flesh, revealing God to us, reconciling sinners to Himself. And also He's come to reign as the King that every single one of us so desperately needed to bring peace and hope and joy to a broken world. And we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Uh, we saw that Jesus Christ, this indescribable gift, was born of a virgin, a humble and obedient virgin, Mary. And we saw that God used her in a, in a profound way to bring Jesus Christ into the world. And she was God's chosen vessel to do that. And last week, Pastor Larry talked about how, uh, how we are called to unwrap this indescribable gift and receive the good news of Jesus Christ every season, all year round. He's given us this beautiful gift. And so I want to ask you, did you unwrap the gift this Christmas season? 
I hope you did. We've been given, trying to give you opportunities, many opportunities to do that. We hope you had an opportunity to do that in your hearts, in your homes. Uh, but to celebrate and remember, as beautiful as the trees and the decorations and the songs and the presents and all that is, there's nothing that compares with the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. And more than anything, we want you to receive and unwrap that gift. Well, we're three days away. Count it, three days. Monday, Tuesday, and on Wednesday, we'll be in a new year. But not just a new year, we're going to be closing the book on a decade, the 2010s. It's going to become the 2020s. And there were some major, major events and cultural shifts and movements that sprung from the 2010s. Think about the 2010s for a moment. What do we see take place in our culture, in our world, just in the last 10 years? Well, several new terms entered our cultural vocabulary. Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movements became regular points of conversation on the news, in our classrooms, in our places of work, in our newspapers and magazines. Uh, we saw disasters strike and tragedies strike all over the planet. We saw disastrous earthquakes not far from here. Haiti had a massive earthquake. Uh, we saw hurricanes in Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico. Uh, many other islands in the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico were devastated by just horrible, horrible hurricanes. Uh, many of that just in the last 10 years, uh, we saw that. Uh, we saw the rise, and praise be to God, for the most part, the fall of the terrorist uh, group, the Islamic State. But we also saw continued violence through bombings throughout the world. Uh, just terrorism all over the place. And you turn on the news and it doesn't shock hardly, hardly uh, us anymore, unfortunately, because it just seems to be such a regular occurrence. Not only that, but shootings became all too common in our schools, our churches, our movie theaters and music festivals. It's... It's happening all over the place and it breaks our hearts and there's debates all over. What, what's the cure? What can we do to solve these problems? It's, it's so sad, but this has been characteristic of this last decade that we're about to close out. LGBTQ rights grew and same-sex marriage became commonplace in the U.S. and around the world. Huge shifts, huge shifts in our culture and in our way of thinking over the last 10 years. The list goes on, but in short, we saw some major changes to our world in the 2010s. Amen? So then you've got to ask the question, all right, well, we're done with that. What does 2020 hold in store for us? What are the 2020s going to look like, right? Well, that, that's just a few things, and there's so many more that could be said. I brought out a lot of the negative things. There's a lot of positive things that happened in 2010 as well, but just think about the 2010s. And, but now let's think about this on a personal level. Personally and individually, think about the 2010s in your life. What were the highs of this past 10 years? What were the lows of the past 10 years? What were some of the joys you experienced? Maybe, uh, you know, you got, had the joy of, if you're young, you graduated high school or middle school. Or maybe you graduated college or you got an advanced degree in some way in education-wise. Maybe, maybe you found the one and you got married. Maybe you had your first, second, third, or more child in the 2010s. Maybe you became a grandparent over the last 10 years or a new aunt or uncle. 
What were some of the hurts? Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you were diagnosed with a, a disease. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you had a career change. Think about what the last 10 years has had in store for you. What were some of the victories? What were some of the losses? And I know it's kind of awkward, you know, when you've, you're in a room this big and there's a stage and there's, you know, pews and whatnot, and you don't want that awkward silence. But, but I think it's appropriate just to pause for a moment. Every single one of us has a story that we've lived out over the last 10 years. How was that characterized? Think about that for a moment. Think about the 2010. Now, let, let's play a game here for a second. Let's imagine that, you know, we're uh, with Marty McFly and Back to the Future, and we get in his DeLorean with, uh, you know, with the flux capacitor, and I, I'm sounding real nerdy now, right? So you get in this car, and you get in this time machine, and now let's pretend we could go back to December 29th, 2009, and you could talk to yourself back 10 years ago and just describe, hey, this is what you're about to experience in the 2010s right? And would, would your 2009 self believe your current day self to describe what they're about to experience? I mean, for some of you, you'd be like, no way. If I were to go back 10 years from now on the precipice of the 2010s and tell my ten, self 10 years ago what was about to happen, there's no way I'd believe it. Wouldn't it be nice, though? I mean, think about it. If you were a superhero, and we play this game around the table sometimes in my house. If you were a superhero, you could have one superpower. What would that superpower be? Oh, I'd love to fly, or I'd love to run really fast, or hold my breath underwater for a long time, or whatever it is. But wouldn't it be cool to have, like, uh, a vision to see into the future of what it would be like? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? To know what's going to happen tomorrow? To know what's going to happen the day after that? To know what's going to happen a year from now? five years from now to know what your life is going to have over the next 10 years so that you could prepare yourself for it. I know I'm going to have this job change or I'm going to meet this person or I'm going to, this is going to happen to me and you could get yourself ready for it to have that kind of clear vision for the future. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's not the world we live in. So let me ask you though, do you feel prepared 2020. Do you prepare, feel prepared for the next year, the next decade, if the Lord allows? God in His grace gives us good gifts all the time. And the pinnacle of those good gifts we've been celebrating all month is Jesus Christ. But with Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ, we're going to see from the Scriptures today that God in His grace gives us a gift to be able not to see the future, but to be prepared to navigate whatever the future holds for us. We just celebrated the indescribable gift of God's Son for us at Christmas time, but the Scripture tells us that He's given us the gift for clear vision, clear vision to walk in the world without fear, without doubt, in navigating our lives, no matter what may come down the path. As we get ready to celebrate, the beginning of 2020. His gift for an abundant life, for you, for me, for this church, for our community, for the world, is found in this gift in Christ. And it's found in one word, and that one word is wisdom. Wisdom. To have the wisdom to know, to see clearly, 
Even though I don't know what every turn the path is going to take, God wants to give us the wisdom to be able to navigate the twists and the turns of life for the next three days, for the next year, and for the next decade, if God allows. Wisdom. What is wisdom? What is this gift that God wants to give us for 2020 vision? Wisdom. Wisdom is the quality. Wisdom is the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically right, and what should be done in different situations. Let's say that again. Wisdom is the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically or morally right, and what should be done in certain and different situations. So it's the ability to be able to discern between truth and falsehood, truth and error. But it's not only that, it's also knowing the difference between right and wrong. But it goes even deeper than that. It's, be able, it's being able to go into a situation where right and wrong, truth and error, do not seem to come to the surface quickly. They're hard to discern. But it's not even so much a right or wrong. Sometimes it's an option to say, well, this is good. This is maybe better. What's the best? God, what do you want from me? And I would tell you that God, when we ask for wisdom, says, I will show you the path that you should go on, that I want you to walk on. Wisdom is, is knowing what is right and putting it into practice. It's not merely theoretical. It's not merely just between your ears. It's lived out in the everyday stuff of our lives. Wisdom, again, is not just between the ears, not just here in the brain, but it's actually, wisdom is to be lived out in the everyday stuff of our lives. That's what it means to have clear 2020 vision for the path ahead of us. God offers wisdom to each one of us. But the question is, is will we make space, the necessary space in our lives for His wisdom in this everyday stuff? Now, I'm going to pause just for a moment because you may be thinking to yourself, well, how do I do that? And I can't cover that in one sermon. No one can. But I'm so excited because as we turn over the calendar into a new year, we have another opportunity for us to grow in the Scriptures together in community in our small groups. Friends, I, I direct our small groups, and I don't do it, I don't say this just because I get paid a paycheck. I, I, I want to urge you, I want you to consider, I don't think there's a habit or a practice that could be better for your life than to be in biblical community with other believers, working together to grow in Christ, to be an impact in our world. That's what we offer to you in our small groups. Every small group is designed for that experience for you and for me. And I'm excited about our study. It's going to be called Making Space. And I've got a video here that I'd like to show for you. And hopefully it whets your appetite a little bit. We're going to start sign-ups next week. But I, I'd hope to whet your appetite a little bit. And we're going to talk about wisdom this morning. But I'd like for you to consider, hey, you know what? This is a study I'd like to be a part of. This is a, an environment that I want to be a part of. And so let's take a look here. This is called Making Space. And we'll get an introduction into what our topic is going to be in small groups. Can we roll that, please? I live in Seattle. It's a busy city with people who have very busy lives. And I continue to interact with people who say they want more time for God. They want more time for friends. They want more time for the things that matter most in life. 
And yet they're overwhelmed, they're anxious, they're worried, they're not living the abundant life that God has designed them to live. I'm Jeff Vanderstelt, and I want to invite you into a study where we look at the Proverbs and gain wisdom from God on how to make space for the things that matter most. We're going to take a journey through Proverbs and look at wisdom for all of life and grow together in how we might see our finances, our work, our friendships, our own hearts, our time with God, our time in His Word, our time in our families differently. Finding time to rest and be in solitude and silence with God. How might we apply the gospel in such a way that we experience the wisdom of God through the Proverbs setting us free so we're no longer slaves to our schedules, but we're free to take our schedule and make it submit to the things that God knows are best for our life. I hope you'll join us on this journey as we learn together how to apply the wisdom of the gospel to the things that matter most in life. So that, that's just a brief introduction to you and an invitation to every single one of you. Man, I tell you, I, I don't know about you, but I want 2020 to be more full of Jesus than 2019 was. Amen? And, and I need wisdom to know how to do that. And so when we found this study, I said, man, Lord, I hope that this makes a change in our church, makes a change in my life. We want to grow in wisdom to know how to make space for Jesus Christ in the things that matter most in our lives. Because many of us don't understand how to do that. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, I, I need more wisdom. And so there's books available in the bookstore back there. And uh, we're going to be starting this study soon. But uh, we'd love to have you join us. The next couple of weeks, we're going to have signups in the lobby. But that's enough for the advertisement. So, uh, but we have to consider, as we get into this new territory, and as we get into this 2020 and this new decade, will we find wisdom? Where do we find wisdom? And we're going to open the scriptures now. This is Valley Bible Church after all, right? <laughs> we're going to open the scriptures together and take a look at what does God gift us in this wisdom for 2020 vision? God's gift for 2020 vision. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And I want to thank our audio video team so much. They do a great job helping you get the verses there on the screens. Let's give them a round of applause, would you? Thanks so much, guys. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. This is the verse that will kind of help us launch into this understanding of wisdom. It says this, Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord, of Yahweh, the God of Israel is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is helpful to us. This helps us see that if we want to live wisely with clear vision for the path ahead of us, the starting place should be where? In the fear of the Lord. Understanding Him. Knowing this Holy One that we're going to look at in just a moment that could give us all the wisdom as a gift for us so that we've got clear 2020 vision to navigate the days, years, and perhaps decade ahead of us. And the point of the sermon today is that God freely, freely offers His wisdom to us so we may have 20-20 vision to do what matters most in our lives. He wants to give this to you as a gift through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
This is one of the great benefits. They're, they're innumerable in the scriptures, it seems. The great gifts of knowing the indescribable gift. And one of them is this wisdom, this clear vision. We're going to look at three things about wisdom this morning. Three things. First is that wisdom is from God. Wisdom is from God. It comes from God. Secondly, wisdom is for all of life. All of life. Not just our religious experience, not just in our church attendance, not just in, you know, when we're ready to die or something. This wisdom from God is for all of life. Thirdly, this wisdom is a gift to those who recognize their need for it. Wisdom is a gift to those who recognize their need for it. Let's take a look at this wisdom, this gift from God for 2020 vision. First of all, we saw wisdom is from God. God created wisdom. God created wisdom. Turn over, if you would, if you're in Proverbs 9, just turn back a page or so to Proverbs chapter 8, 22 to 31. Now, what the writer of Proverbs is doing, who's most likely Solomon, Solomon's writing... And he's personifying wisdom. What that means is that he's taking a theory or a concept, something that's abstract, and he's putting flesh on it and giving it a voice. And it helps us understand things about this wisdom by making it seem like a person. And it's a, a female, and it's, so it's wisdom. And, and we're going to hear what she has to say about her beginning. And this is what wisdom says in Proverbs eight twenty-two to 31. It says, The Lord... Yahweh brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. We see the birth of wisdom. And, and she's talking as a, as a person would. Now, it's, it's beautiful, it's poetic, so we wouldn't take this literally. Wisdom isn't someone or something that you could touch or see, but, but it, wisdom exists. And we see that God is the creator of wisdom. You see, God doesn't have to sign up for Wisdom 101. He doesn't have to go to anybody to say, okay, I'm about ready to create this world, and it's going to be really amazing and really complicated. So before I do that, I need to sit down and read some books or go to a class on wisdom. Now, that's not how it works. God said, before I even create the universe, I create Wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. He created it. But not only that, God in His wisdom created all things then. Wisdom was by His side, and through wisdom, He created all things. Proverbs 3, 19-20 says this, 
by wisdom, by means of wisdom, the Lord laid the foundation, the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. So it's God is, creates wisdom and then through wisdom, he creates the world. What does that mean? That means that wisdom permeates everything that he's created. He's created this world in a wise way. The atoms hold together. The planets rotate or uh, orbit around stars. The universe is, is full of galaxies that are moving together. We see that a, a human can come from an egg and a sperm coming together. An entire complex person comes from that. We see gravity. We drop an apple and it falls to the ground. We see his wisdom in everything. And so... What we understand is that God is the source of wisdom, and through wisdom, He's created the world. Therefore, things work in a wise and orderly way. Now, that's been marred by sin, that's been marred by our own imperfections, but wisdom still exists in this world. And so if we want to understand how to live in a wise way in this world, we should go to the creator, the originator of wisdom, and seek his understanding of how he created wisdom in this world and how it ought to be lived out. Not only that, but God is characterized by wisdom. The Apostle Paul, he was writing amazing stuff about God's powerful sovereignty, how he's the ruler over all things, and he orders all things, and how he chose the Jews to be his people, and then he grafted in Gentiles to be a part of this, this plant, this beautiful tree that he wants, that he calls his own people and his own family. And it was an amazing thing that God could do all this to take two people and make them one. And Paul is just amazed by this, and he says in Romans eleven thirty three to 36, we call it a doxology, a portion where God is given glory. That's what doxa means. It says, Romans eleven thirty three to 36, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. <laughs> who has known the mind of the Lord? Or, or who's been His counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay them? For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And now Paul says, Oh, the I got to pause here and just praise. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's like, it's like a rich man that has a big vault full of money and he could just go in there. It's so thick and deep, he could just go and swim in it. That's how much wisdom and how much understanding God has. It's, a, it's poetic. It, you don't have to take that literally. It just shows you, it, it, you can't ever measure it. He's got more than you could ever ask for, ever hope for. He's full of wisdom. He created wisdom. And he created the world through his wisdom. And it's everywhere. And we need to search it out. Wisdom first is from God, comes from Him. So the question we have to ask is, are we going to Him for wisdom? When we've got a big issue of our lives, who do we turn to? Who do you run to? When you've got an issue, when you've got something that you feel neck deep in, you don't know how to get out of it, who do you run to? Who do you run to? Is it a friend, 
family, co-worker, spouse, child, parent? Who do you go to for the big issues of life? It's amazing how much Americans are in search for understanding, in search for wisdom. A study came out about a year ago from Barna Research Institute says this about Americans are open to counseling. Most are. Overall, 4 in 10 American adults, approximately 42%, have seen a counselor at some point in their lives. 13% say they are currently seeing a counselor or therapist, while more than a quarter, 28%, say they've seen a counselor or therapist in the past. Another third say that they're at least, that's 36%, at least open to it, although almost in one in four, 23% say they would never see a counselor. So what we see is that the majority of us would say, when I need help, I need to go find it. I'm searching for answers in my life. Now, I'm not here today to either praise or denounce the merits of seeing a therapist or a counselor. It's been very helpful for many of us. I'm not against that, but what I'm saying is that Who is the source of wisdom? Who is the source of understanding? And I don't care who you go to on this planet, a spouse, a loved one, a therapist, or a counselor, it is all for nothing if we don't go to the source and creator and originator of all wisdom and understanding. This kind of clear 2020 vision can't be found in a pill. It can't be found in a behavior modification. It can't be found in a long conversation over a hot cup of coffee if it's not being found in Jesus Christ and in God, the originator of wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is from God. So who are we going to for wisdom? When you've got a big issue or a big question in your life, where do you go? Maybe you're one of those about 25% said in that study that said, no, I would never go. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure where they'd go then if they wouldn't go to a counselor or therapist. Maybe they feel like, I'll figure it out as I go along. <laughs> I'll just figure it out. I'll, I'll just go with what feels right. I'll go with what seems right in the moment. Or maybe they're pragmatic and they say, well, whichever is most convenient for me, that's what I'll do. They're leaving it up to their own devices, their own mind, their own understanding. Proverbs says that's the way of the fool who leans on his own understanding. God is the source of wisdom. And I think too often we we wring our hands when we go through the trials and we don't say, I don't know what to do. I need some clarity about this situation. God, you are the source. I'll go to you. So today I want to ask, some of you might be seeking here. You, might, you know what, I, I've been searching. I, I'm willing to try out and see maybe this Christianity has something to offer me. Maybe I'll listen to this preacher for a while. Maybe I'll listen to the songs that are being sung. But you have never really come to the originator of wisdom. You're searching for answers. I want to tell you today, God's word in the Bible is saying, I've got a gift for you if you would just ask me for it. Oh, would you ask him today? If you're searching for answers, he wants to give you clarity and wisdom like you've never experienced in your life. Will we go to the creator of wisdom? Wisdom is from God. It's from God. Secondly, wisdom is for all of life. All of life. 
Psalm chapter 111, verse 10 says this. Psalm 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now listen to how it describes it. It goes on. All who follow His precepts, that would be, that's what the fear of the Lord looks like. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. Well, what are His precepts? They're His commands. They're His commands. They're His his directive, <coughs> excuse me, about how life is to be or not to be lived. It's about how to or how not to think. It's about how to feel or not to feel about something. It's his precepts. It's his revealed understanding. Remember, God in wisdom created the world, and his precepts are his revelation to us. This is how it all works, friends. And it impacts every area of our lives. Every relationship, every sphere of influence, every moment of every day is informed some way, whether directly or indirectly, by God's revealed wisdom to us. God's wisdom is for all of life. Well, how do we know what good wisdom looks like and what foolishness looks like? How can we discern the difference? Let's turn to James. James chapter 3. By the way, by the way, if you are wondering, well, where do I get this uh, understanding of wisdom from the Scriptures? Here's some, some books that are characterized by wisdom writings. You've got Proverbs. You've got some of the Psalms. You've got Ecclesiastes. You've got James. Job is another great book of wisdom. So these are some places where it, it's full of wisdom, but those specifically talk so much about wisdom. And so it, it's no surprise that we're turning to James here. James chapter 3. I thought I was there and I stopped turning. There it is. James chapter 3. Two kinds of wisdom here. James three thirteen to 18. It says this. Who's wise and understanding among you? Now you can imagine James is the brother of Jesus. Let's pretend he's up here on stage now and he's asking Valley Bible Church, who's wise and understanding among you? Well, let him show it by his degree. Let him show it by his massive intellect. Let him show it by, you know, his experience. Long, lots and lots of years, right? Maybe gray hair or lack of hair. I don't know. Who's wise and understanding among you? Ah, let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom is to be lived out in every sphere of life. But it goes on to say in verse 14, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice it, it just it just comes to light friends foolishness comes to light it comes in the form of selfish ambition it comes in the form of envy it comes in the form of bitterness it comes in the form of denying the truth this is foolishness and how often do we see these traits characterized in the wisdom, the so-called wisdom of this world? Think about yourself. Think about number one, pursue your own hopes and dreams and goals without any consideration of anybody else. You've got to think about yourself. This is not the wisdom from heaven. 
This is the wisdom of the world. Well, what is this wisdom that needs to impact all of life? What does that look like? It goes on to say in verse 17, James 3, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Friends, this is what true wisdom looks like. It's shown by good, a good life demonstrated by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. This is a wise way of living. Thinking about others above yourself. Showing mercy. Being submissive, right? I mean, submissive looks like foolishness. Oh, you're going to sit under somebody else's authority? The wisdom of the world thinks that's foolishness. But those who know the wisdom of God say it's His wisdom to be submissive in all circumstances. Full of mercy. Full of good fruit. Impartial. Sincere. Being willing to tell the truth. Being willing to be a peacemaker. You see, this wisdom that comes from heaven impacts all of life. It comes from God. It's all through our creation. And when we live it out, it's lived out in demonstration of good deeds and good works. This is good news for us, friends. It's good news for you and for me. You see, this wisdom that we're talking about, it's not reflected in intellectual capacity of the brain. It's not reflected in your IQ or your SAT or ACT scores or your degrees. Instead, it shows up in the everyday stuff of life. The everyday stuff of life. That's good news for us, friends. Now, I, I'm pursuing an advanced degree. With, it's, it's hard, and I'm trying to get there, but it's, it's testing me a lot. But I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that us who have this good news, who have this indescribable gift, we can look at the top professors in the top universities of this age who are living according to the wisdom of the world and we could say, you've got nothing on us. I don't have to pay thousands of dollars of tuition. I don't have to have a certain IQ to get a hold of this wisdom. All I need to go is to the source and allow that wisdom to permeate every aspect of my life. And God says, you are living in a wise way. That's good news for every man. It's lived out in the everyday stuff of your life. I don't care what kind of job you have. I don't care what kind of education you have. You can live wisely today because of God and Jesus Christ. It's for all of life. All of life. So then we have to ask ourselves, are we living wisely in some of the major, major aspects of our lives? How are you doing in your finances? And in your money. And I'm not talking about your portfolio. I'm talking about does your bank statement reflect the priorities of God? He doesn't care how much you have. He cares about what you do with what you have. How are you doing in your finances? Are you living wisely? Are you living according to the wisdom of this world? How about your work? Your job? Are you living wisely in such a way that your employer can look at you and say... He or she is living according to Col the wisdom of Colossians 3.23. They may not even identify it, but they see it. Uh, whatever you do, you work at it with all your heart 
as working for the Lord, not for men, knowing that you're receiving your inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It's the Lord Christ who you are serving. Do they see that kind of work ethic? Does the world see that kind of work ethic in us, or is it TGIF, can't wait till it's Friday, right? Living for the weekend. Do we live wisely with our finances, with our work? Well, what about this on the other side? You know, we've got workaholics, right? All they do is work, work, work. They never find a time for rest. Their family doesn't even remember what they look like, right? Maybe that's you today. All of your life is wrapped up in your career. All of your life is wrapped up in your job. And there's never any space for rest and reflection before the Lord to be refreshed by Him and to be a blessing to others in your life. Do you find the appropriate time for rest? Hey, friends, we don't practice Sabbath here. Sabbath is Saturday, okay? That's the old Jewish uh, law of, of celebrating Sabbath. But God created the world in six days and He rested on the seventh. As a pattern to all creation, will we take time to rest and enjoy our God and enjoy the fruit of what He's given to us in our lives? Do you have space for rest? How are you doing in your commitment to understanding God's Word? I was talking to a friend, and I, I bragged on him. I didn't say his name, and I won't say it now, but I was meeting with him over coffee a couple of weeks ago. He was like, Matt, I want to let you know I am just thrilled. I am studying the book of Ephesians, backwards, forwards, inside and out, and I'm seeing things that I never had seen in my life, and it's blowing my mind. And we just had a beautiful time of sitting and enjoying the truth of God in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, written by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just awesome stuff. And he's making the commitment, I may not know all the books right now, but I'm going to know Ephesians. How are you in knowing God's Word? How are you in knowing God's Word? When you come to that trial, that test in your life that may come in days, maybe weeks, maybe months, do you have a verse that you've read recently that says, I could go to my Lord who is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore I will not fear, though the mountains be moved, though they be carried into the heart of the sea. Do you have a word for the everyday stuff of life? You won't if you aren't giving time to having clear vision from God's Word. Are you making a commitment into your life to understand it, to know it, and to read it? What about your prayer life? Do you call out to God in prayer? We're going to look at it in just a moment, but God is saying, I want to give you wisdom, but all you got to do is ask me. Ask me. What does your prayer life look like? Does God, do we, can we find you on your knees in the everyday stuff of life and saying, I don't know what to do with this teenager. I don't know what to do about this coworker. I don't know what to do about this diagnosis, but I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to cry out to God, God, would you help me? You know, I, I've seen my mom pray in the everyday stuff of life, and frankly, it drives me a little batty. She'll lose something, something small, a pen, her keys, something like that. And you know what she does? Lord, help me find my keys. And I'm thinking to myself, Mom, he's upholding the universe. You think he cares about your keys? She goes, yup. And guess what? A few minutes later, she finds the keys. Lord, thank you for helping me find my... Does God care about that kind of stuff? Does he want to give us that kind of clarity to understand? Hey, if, any, if, hey, if you've asked everybody in the house, there's only one person that knows where the keys are, right? He's the omniscient one. He knows all things. Why don't we go to him? How is your prayer life? Do you ask him about the little stuff of your life to give you clarity of vision, to understand what do you want me to do here? Help me, Lord. I need your help. How are you doing in the, all the everyday stuff of life and fostering godly desires in your heart? 
Are you watching the idols of your heart, the things that, that you bow down to that aren't God? You see, we can put on a great facade on the outside, but God knows what's happening in the heart. Are you living in a wise way in your desires? What about your friendships? Are you fostering friendships that are godly and that are helping you uh, grow in Christ and in turn you're helping others grow in Christ? How are you doing there? Are you part of a small group? I mean, it's simple, but yet it's profound. People getting together and helping each other grow in Christ. How about your marriage? Are you living in a godly way, a Christ-centered, wise way in the way you treat your spouse? Husbands, are you laying down your lives for your brides and, and wives are you submitting to your husbands as to the Lord? How about your parenting? You need wisdom in how you're parenting your kids, how you're raising them? Are, are you actually, are, are you just giving them food and clothing and shelter and maybe a, you know, a fee for soccer practice a couple times a year? Are you actually investing in their lives the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform their lives? How are you living in the everyday stuff of life? How about hospitality? Kindness to others? Are you actually making an effort to serve others? There's, the list goes on and on and on, but as you see, this wisdom that comes from God is for all of life. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. So we're going from James back to Proverbs, full of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 13 to 18. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18 says this. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who gain understanding. For she, again personifying wisdom, she's more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Wisdom for all of life. This is the blessed life, friends. And, and, and please don't get me wrong. This is not the trouble-free life. This isn't the trial-free life. This isn't your best life. Now, what it is is a life that says, I don't care what comes my way. I'm trusting in the wisdom of God. So no matter what trial or, 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 or temptation I go through, I can live abundantly in peace and hope and joy in what God has for me. I can trust in Him. You see, I, I love mentorships. I, maybe you've had a mentor in your life, whether formally or informally. Someone who's there to say, hey, you know what? You could come to me when you have big questions, and I can help you think through them and come to an answer that's best for you, right? And so a mentor speaks into your life, and, and you could give them that permission to do that. And maybe that was a formal arrangement, or maybe that's just, you know, like a grandma that really invested in you, or a mom, or a dad, or an uncle, or, or a neighbor, or uh, someone older in your life, a teacher maybe, you know, or a pastor, I don't know. But we have those mentors in, in our lives, and when we go through something that we can't find an answer to, we have their number on speed dial, don't we? We want to be able to know, I need to go to that person because I don't know what to do, and I'd love to hear what they have to say about the situation. See, God in His Word, in, in Proverbs, and all over the place, He's saying, I'm here to be your mentor. 
I'm here to be there for you in the everyday stuff of life. When you don't know what to do, you can come to me and I want to show you wisdom. And this wisdom is better than anything this world has to offer. Will you allow God to be, and I hate to say it because it almost sounds too trite, but will you allow God to be the mentor of your life in the everyday stuff? When you get up to go to work, when you don't know what to do about your kid, when, when, you're, when you're having an argument with your spouse, will you go to God and say, Lord, show me the way to peace, to blessing, to joy, to right living, to know the right thing to do, the best thing to do, and to put it into practice. God, show me the way. He's the originator of wisdom. He's the creator of wisdom. And this wisdom is lived out in every aspect of our lives. Do we want this free gift of clear 2020 vision? Well, what do we do with this gift? What do we do with this gift? Thirdly, first of all, again, God, wisdom is from God. Secondly, wisdom is for all of life. And thirdly, Wisdom is a gift to those who recognize their need for it. Wisdom is a gift to those who recognize their need for it. God is saying, I, I want to give you this wisdom, but if you're too proud and say, you know what, I've been doing all right on my own, I can figure it out. He says, I got nothing for you. You got to come to me with humility. You got to come to me with a, with a recognition that you are poor, you are weak, you, you, you've got nothing to offer, but when you come to me like that, I will shower you with so much wisdom, you won't even know what to do with it all. You'll pass it on to other people. Give it away. Wisdom is a gift to those who recognize their need for it. You see, the, the world has a, a wisdom. There, there, there are those that are wise according to, the, to this world's standards, but yet they miss this wisdom from God. They miss it. They think they're wise, but they're missing true wisdom. But... But, as I said before, here's the good news. Those who come to Christ, those who come to this indescribable gift will find true wisdom in Him. Just a few more passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 30 says this. For the message of the cross, that's Jesus Christ crucified for sinners. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. There is a, millions, if not billions of people that on this planet, you share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them today, they say, that's ridiculous. That's foolishness. You believe that a man was God, came to earth, put on human flesh, died on a cross, and rose from the dead, went back to heaven? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, God says. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. It's like James, where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. It may seem like foolishness to the world, but those of us that are here, we say this is more wisdom than I could ever find. Jews demand signs, verse 22, and Greeks look for wisdom, but this is what we preach. We preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God's called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Now, he's not saying that God is foolish in any way. But even what seems like the foolishness of God, that being that he would send his son to die on a cross, that is wiser than anything this world has to offer. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of you when you were called. Did we have any philosophers in the room? We got any, I mean, maybe we have a few PhDs, but not many of us, right? Some of you, I, I know it was a struggle to, you know, graduate high school and, and maybe even get a college degree, but for the most part, it's just plain folks around here. You and me. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. We got any blue bloods here? Not me. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are wise so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. Who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Friends, you, you don't have to have an advanced degree. You don't have to have any kind of title. You don't have to have any type of inheritance. You, you don't have to have wealth. You don't have to have anything. All you got to do is say, God, I know I don't have the wisdom that I need to live this life, but I'm looking at Jesus, and he says, here is your wisdom, all you need. Recognizing your need and going to Christ. That's all it takes, friend. Today, you may be here today searching. And you may be thinking to yourself, I don't know if I got what it takes to be a Christian. Am I smart enough? Am I, I'm not strong enough to keep all those commands. I, look at those Christians. Look at all that stuff they do. I'm not strong enough to do that. I'm not wealthy enough, right? Could someone off the street come in here and say, I am too poor to be a part of this family. God forbid. Or I don't have the right birthright. I don't have the right ethnicity. No. Finding this wisdom doesn't require any of those things. See, the beautiful mystery of the gospel is that those who seem unlikely to find wisdom in life can find it in Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom of God. And it's given to those who ask. Given to those who ask. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. If you want this wisdom, if you want the clarity of 2020 vision for the days to come, the years to come, the decades to come, if you say, I don't know how to handle this life, God is saying, I have depths of riches of wisdom if you'd come to me and receive it and ask for it through my son Jesus Christ. Here's the final call, Proverbs chapter 2. The final call, and I mean it. Proverbs chapter 2 says this. Proverbs 2, 1 through 8. <clears throat> my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding... And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord 
and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Friends, God wants to give you the wisdom, the clarity of vision, to be able to handle anything that comes this year, that comes next year, that comes this decade, if we'd merely ask Him for it. He's the Creator. He's the originator of wisdom. And this wisdom is to be lived out in every aspect of our lives. And all we have to do, friends, is come to the source of wisdom, this indescribable gift of Jesus Christ that He's given to us. Will you receive it today? Will you ask Him for it? Wherever you are on this New Year's Eve in just a few, few days, would you take even a moment with your spouse, with your family, with some friends, whoever it is, even if you're by yourself, you take some time to say, Lord, I want this wisdom. Would you give me some clear vision of what you want me to do? I want 2020 vision for a new year. Would you do it for me? And for those of you that have never, ever come to this source of wisdom, what's holding you back today, friend? What is holding you back today? You've been searching for answers, and God is telling you, I got them all for you, if you just ask me. If you just ask me. Would you ask Him today? Ask Him today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, You've given us an indescribable gift, and, and He is Your wisdom. This babe in a manger, as foolish as it may seem, I mean, here's this king that's lying in a manger, Here's this king that shepherds come to, to, to praise. I mean, it seems foolish, this nativity scene. But here is the wisdom and power of God. We thank you so much that you've given us this great gift for 2020 vision. Father, we're going to close the book on this decade here in just a few days. For many of us, there's been many victories. For others, there have been so many losses. There's been hardships, Father. And, and we feel like we just barely hung on. Father, how are we going to turn the page on a new decade that's full of all kinds of trials and victories and, and all kinds of stuff? And you didn't promise us that you'd tell us everything would happen before it would happen, but you did say, I will give you wisdom. Oh, Father, I pray that you would find a people here at Valley Bible and every seat in, this pew, in these pews that say, we call out to you for wisdom. Would you give it to us? Give it to our elders. Give it to our deacons, our staff, to every member here, every visitor here, every guest here. Oh, Father, we're asking you, give us your wisdom. And oh, I pray, Father, for those that have never received this gift of wisdom in Christ. Oh, would you move on their hearts today that they would actually call out and say, I want it, and that they'd ask for it, and that they'd seek you, and that they'd find you. Thank you so much for this precious, precious gift. We entrust ourselves to you now for a new year, trusting that through your wisdom, you will give us 2020 vision for the days and years and decades to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Your commission now, go with the wisdom of God and 2020 vision for a new year. Happy New Year to all of you.